Clay Mountcastle. I'm the director of the Virginia War Memorial. So, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your military journey? Sure. Uh, I entered the military in 1994. I was from a military family, army family. Grew up on military bases overseas. So, service in the military was really all I knew. Um, so, it felt natural for me to enter in 1994. And I spent uh, 21 years on active duty in the Army. Uh, various different assignments and duties. Got a chance to see the world a little bit, which was, which was great for me. And having since retired uh, in 2015, I found myself here at the War Memorial, uh, able to serve in a different capacity. Yeah, how? Because a lot of things I saw uh, when researching you was uh, history focused. Mm -hmm. So, what brought you into you know understanding the history? Sure, uh, I was very fortunate while on active duty in the Army to qualify for a program that uh, the U.S. Army offers and that's to teach at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. So I taught history, military history specifically, at the Military Academy. And in doing so, was able to become a lot more aware of our military history and had always been an interest of mine. And so not only in the uniformed capacity was interested in the history of our military, but also in the academic uh, capacity. So teaching military history just made me more and more interested in it and I was able to do a good amount of research and, and writing on my own just continued that interest and involvement in American military history. So how important is it to understand the history to uh, make the future better? Right. Uh, it really is important to understand our history primarily because it just helps inform what we know of the world today and decisions about what we should do in the future, whether it's foreign policy or even just the individual American and, and you know what's important in life and values and all those things. Uh, our history gives us a, a long list of things that we can learn from in, in order to better make decisions about how we should conduct ourselves both as individuals and as a society. So um, it's probably the best thing we have to inform our decisions for what we're going to do tomorrow is what we've done in the past. So can you tell me how you got involved with the Virginia War Memorial? Yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to be offered uh, a chance to you know, interview for the job here. Um, I had been to the War Memorial a couple times before uh, in 2015. I was just amazed at what the state of Virginia has created here to honor veterans and particularly honor those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice in our wars and just saw that this is really a special place that is indeed a living memorial because we have an active education mission. And so it's all about interacting with the public through exhibits, displays, and also education programming. And it was just a very dynamic environment and doing a lot of interesting things that uh, I wanted to be a part of. And luckily, because of my military and academic background, I was invited to, to do so. Uh, Virginia has, I mean, a unique history, especially with uh, war and fighting, just because Revolutionary War sure. and Civil War. So with that stuff, with history going all the way back, what are the challenges to, you know, keep artifacts in good condition right. and, you know, the stories? Right. Yeah. History is really a preservation effort. You can't just rely on the written word to preserve history. Uh, so we do our best to help preserve history in all of its forms and that's through actual physical items and artifacts 
and more recently spending a lot of time trying to preserve oral histories, the stories that veterans themselves experienced, preserving those in digital formats so that they can be available to future generations. And so it's kind of a, a, a three-dimensional effort uh, both preserving the written format, the letters, the, the diaries of people put together, but also their, their items, old uniforms, uh, old articles that, that uh, veterans have brought back from war zones, and also the most important thing, I think, is to sit down with the veteran and capture their story, ask them the questions about what they experienced, how they felt about it, and, and what their thoughts are on things, and that way future generations can learn from that. Can you tell me about the exhibit, 50 Years Beyond? Right. Uh, this exhibit began with a very simple idea, um, and that is that the Vietnam veteran has always had a bit of a, um, I believe, a past that's been overshadowed in a lot of ways by the greatest generation um, and also by more recent events in Iraq and Afghanistan in the past 20 years that received a lot of media attention during and, and since and that Vietnam veteran kind of fell in between and uh, did not get, uh, certainly didn't get that type of, of response or welcome home that uh, recent veterans have received on their way back, which was a good thing. And so, um, so we wanted to give Vietnam veterans a chance to share their thoughts and their experiences on the war. We didn't want an exhibit that focused on the war itself uh, like many other exhibits have done. We didn't want to, an exhibit that talked about the causes and the politics behind it and maps and charts and you know military operations, campaigns. We wanted this to be strictly about the veterans themselves, those Virginians that served in the Vietnam War. And so it was a very simple idea, but it really caught its own legs and its own momentum when we put out uh, an invitation to veterans to submit photographs of themselves serving in Vietnam. And that was, again, a very simple idea, but had a wonderful response. We had over a thousand photos submitted from around the state. And from those photographs, we selected 50 veterans from different parts of the state, uh, different backgrounds, different branches of the military, uh, and then sat down with them in different locations throughout the state and uh, took professional photographs of them today because we wanted to show a then and now and how, they've, how they themselves have grown over the past 50 years. But perhaps more importantly, talk to them about their thoughts on Vietnam. And it wasn't a very structured interview at all. It was very open-ended. The questions we asked were very general. Uh, and we let the veterans just kind of fill in the blanks however they wanted to. Because I had the sense going into it, and I think I was proven correct, that uh, Vietnam veterans have a lot of different opinions on things. And they, they, they don't think all the same about their experience. And they experience different things in the war. And so we just let them tell us, you know, what they thought and what they experienced uh, without, you know, structuring questions too much and just, and we took those interviews and then filled in some information for people to see here when they see their portraits. And we also included uh, video clips from those interviews in the QR codes located here in each, each uh, veteran profile so they can see and hear that veteran share some of their story. And Again, it, it's a simple concept. It's not a very elaborate, I wouldn't say, or complicated exhibit, and yet I think it's a very powerful one. And it, it, it kind of does what we wanted it to do, and that's give the Vietnam veteran a chance to share their thoughts and feelings on what they experienced. 
I uh, saw the grand opening was a few weeks ago, and a lot of these veterans came. Right. How do they feel that their stories are being told? Well, it was it, first of all, it was such a wonderful evening event when the veterans and their families came here to see the opening, um, because it was just a shared community of people that had, in a lot of ways, had a very similar experience, bonding them together, but each had their own individual you know, take on it, obviously. And across the board, the veterans were thankful to be involved in this exhibit. Uh, they felt like it's a very worthwhile endeavor, a very worthwhile project, and they were happy to see it come to fruition. And uh, again, across the board, all the family members are very proud of their veteran. And that definitely was a common denominator for everything. The families are proud of those that have served. Those that have served are proud of this country, even though they have different opinions on the war itself, you know, the, the, the need for it or the necessity for it or how it played out. Um, they are all very proud Americans, um, uh, down to the very last one, uh, even though they traveled different paths uh, before and since. What have you learned from these veterans? Uh, what I've learned from them is that you have to ask specifically uh, for them to share their story. Uh, I'm the son of a Vietnam veteran, and my father spent two tours in Vietnam. And growing up, um, I noticed that he didn't seem to talk about it very much, and I just assumed that he didn't have much to say because he didn't openly offer it. I found out later in life that with this set of veterans in particular, you need to ask them specifically uh, to share their thoughts and feelings on Vietnam. And I believe that's a reflection of the reception they received when they came back from Vietnam, is that no one wanted to talk about it. They were intentionally ignored in a lot of aspects, and the conversation itself was intentionally dismissed by whether it was family members, friends, or the, the general public because Vietnam was an uncomfortable issue at the time, both politically and socially. And so they've just carried that with them for 50 years, this notion that, well, nobody wants to hear about it, nobody really wants to hear my story. Um, but when you ask them specifically, you know, could you tell us a little bit about Vietnam, many of them are more than willing to, to open up and say, well, since you asked, yes, I'll talk about it. Well, when you think of like older wars and older veterans, first comes to mind is World War II, but now the Vietnam, a lot of people are in their 70s right. and 80s. So how important is it for this exhibit to, you know, continue their legacy? Uh, very important. This was the time to do this. Um, as I mentioned, my father's a Vietnam veteran. He turned 80 this year, and I knew that this was not an exhibit we wanted to wait three years, five years, of course not 10 years to do, because we wanted to have uh, access to a as many Vietnam veterans as we could. And they are entering a period in their life when they're in their you know, 70s, in their 80s. And if we were to kick the can down the road and wait longer to do this exhibit, we, we wouldn't be doing justice to those veterans. Um, we need to capture their stories and we needed to do it now. So there's a real sense of urgency to learn from this Vietnam uh, veteran generation and learn from them now. Uh, we can't wait another five, 10 years to try and learn from them, have to do it now. So I wanna ask about the memorial, it's, I mean, amazing looking. Sure. How, uh, for taking care of that and, mm -hmm. you know, doing the, what's that process of sure. getting the names in and all right. that? 
Um, the Virginia War Memorial opened in 1956. It was initially built to be Virginia's World War II memorial, listing the names of Virginians that died in World War II alphabetically by their hometown. By the time construction began on the memorial, the Korean War had already happened and, and, and ended. So they added the names from the Korean War. And then as subsequent decades and conflicts uh, came about, they continued to, to add names of Virginians that died. So they added two panels from Vietnam listing the names of uh, almost 1,300 uh, uh, Virginians that died in Vietnam. And we just recently expanded the Shrine of Memory to include uh, names from Iraq and Afghanistan. And we'll continue to preserve those names um, for you know, eternity uh, so future generations can, again, see those names and honor them for their ultimate sacrifice. But the reason we have become a living memorial is that we believe that just having those names listed in a shrine that people can come and visit is just the first step. In order to truly honor those names, we have to then teach the public why those names are there in the first place. We have to teach them about our military history, teach them about the conflicts, the causes, and that just gives them a better understanding of the, of the sacrifice that was made uh, by those nearly 12,000 names listed in the Shrine of Memory. You actually brought up a good point that, uh, uh, a lot of good points, but, <laughs> but this one I thought of, uh, with the, all the exhibits to see it, you know, firsthand pictures, right. how important is, you know, that hands-on history to connect with, sure. especially younger people? Right. It's, if you're trying to uh, catch people's interest in our history, if you're trying to get them engaged in the learning process and, and wanting to know more about our history, you have to find different ways in order to connect with people. And for some people, they like to read and they, they like to read, you know, details and facts that you can list for them. Other people have much more of a hands-on approach. Other people are much more sensory in their learning. So we try to create a learning atmosphere here that hits on those various different means of learning. So whether it's through exhibits that people can actually see or touch, whether it's through our documentary film series, which focuses on storytelling and people can see and hear uh, the words of the Vietnam veterans, or if it's uh, active programming that we do with veterans or younger learners, whether we um, have them in our classroom downstairs looking at artifacts that we've collected here in our collection or looking at the old uniforms from World War II uh, or having them interact with a veteran from the Vietnam War, sitting down with them, having lunch, you know, telling stories. You know, you try and conduct that what we call three-dimensional learning and find the different ways that people will engage with their military history. Um, you can't just rely on static displays to always get that message across. You have to get a little creative and make it, uh, at times, interactive as much as possible. Has your dad seen the exhibit? He has. He came to the opening night and, and he saw the exhibit and, and I think he was, uh, he was more interested in the other stories on the wall <laughs> than his own, particularly because he's, he's pretty familiar with his own. But he was just really, like all the others, just pleased to kind of sit back and, and soak in the, the entirety of it and, and see the effort we took to really give the, the Vietnam veteran their time uh, uh, in the spotlight to, you know, say what they wanted to say. So he, he, was, he was pleased with it. So the last thing I want to ask is, sure. where do you want to see the memorial in the next three to five years? Sure. Uh, 
I want us to continue to produce both programming and, and exhibits and displays that engage the community, that bring people here to the, to the memorial uh, in high numbers. And I also want to see us out in the Commonwealth in different ways, whether it's with our active prog educational programming in classrooms, whether it's meeting with the veteran community like we've done in some of our oral history programs. Uh, in three to five years, I hope that we can be in touch with more people throughout the Commonwealth um, particularly in areas outside of the Richmond Metro. We want to be more known and more engaged with veterans and Virginians up in Northern Virginia, in, in the Tidewater, Hampton Roads area, out in Southwest Virginia. Um, we just want to be a living memorial that doesn't just reside here at this spot in Richmond. We want to be a memorial for all of Virginia. And that means we need to be, you know, both physically and perhaps virtually, you know, in touch with more Virginians throughout the state.